Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello and good morning and thanks for tuning in once again on American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and welcome folks. We're in our fifth year now, if you can believe that. My golly gee whiz, what in the heck? How does time fly so fast? It is it is unbelievable. It just keeps moving on. But folks, this is American Tennis and thanks for listening every week at Wednesday and I always remind you our job is to stand up, speak out, say those things that need to be said every week on American Tennis. We're doing that, and we will stay professional, address issues, not people. They always said big people talk about issues, small people talk about other people. Man, they're blasting people on TV all the time nowadays, but uh, I don't know. I would still think we got to sort of stick with uh, – Listen, we're going to blast those organizations that are big bureaucracies and bogging us down, and we'll talk about those. And the people in them, darn good people, hard workers and stuff, but a lot of times you are handcuffed if you work for big organizations and you got to do what you got to do to make a living. Everybody understands that. If you're an older people, if you're – listen, you know what I'm doing today? I am having – lunch with an 80-year-old gentleman today, and I'm hoping he will be my mentor. If you're older, you've got a lot of wisdom to pass on to other people. And if you're younger, look, if you're older, stand up, speak out, and you've got to pass it on. You have a duty to do that. And if you're younger, don't be afraid. Don't just try to fit in. Stand out. Stand out. And uh, we need your entrepreneurial spirit if you're younger. We need energy. There is no motion without emotion, folks. You've got to have some fire in the tank there. It's easier to tame roaring tigers than to inspire timid pussycats. But we need people that are willing to stand up and speak out. You know, the hardest group to get them to stand up and speak out is sort of, uh, I don't know, you're midway in your career and you haven't got your retirement yet and you got the I'd say the golden handcuffs. We've all been there. You got to tap dance a little bit, even if you don't like Fred Astaire's music. 
Uh, but you gotta you gotta do it, and uh, we understand that. But we got a lot to do and a lot to solve here, and we've got the right resources. We have got the right people, but we've got to sort of hit things on the head and figure out what the sleeping giant of American tennis is. And we're waiting to be inspired. We're ready to be inspired. We've got the facilities. We've got the people. We've got the know-how. Now, why doesn't it gain traction? And last week, if you go back and listen to my program, I talked about their bureaucracies and, and, and the things that just really, really paralyze us. And we talked a lot about how the computers really allow number two people to be in charge. We're getting people who do things right but don't do the right things all the time. We need right things done wrong, right things done right, but we need the right things to be done. And I'm not, look, folks, I've been in 47 years. I got my opinions, and I have a great platform to talk about them here, and so do you. If you want to join in, we've got a coach coming on, a retired coach coming on here in a minute. I'll give his uh, accolades here in a second. We need to talk about the sleeping giants today and see where we all can sort of start thinking about why with all the all everything we have, all the resources, why aren't we making American tennis great again? And uh, some of you will be saying, wow, how can we do better in the U.S. Open than we did in the women's? That's true. We did really, really well. Hats off to the people who put that together, even the USTA or whatever. But, folks, it's been, it's been a long dry spell, and uh, I hope they're getting their act together. I know you've got a, a good man down there. Brian Boland's pretty darn good at USTA because he, he's always been a good organizer. He puts the right people in the right positions. And, uh, look, uh, I hope he listens sometime, but if you are, Brian, we need less systems and more more inspiration. We need more inspiration, less regulation. And I've got my guest on here, and I'll just be right with you. There, Coach, just a second. Hang on just a second. I'll, I'll get you on. i got to tell a story, though, real quick, and then we're going to go to our guest and talk about the, some of the biggest sleeping giants in American tennis. So the other day, I sort of down the dumps. You get down the dumps after doing the same job over and over and over again after so many years. And uh, I read this little quick story, and it's less than 30 seconds, but it makes a huge point that I'm going to use this next 30 years, if good Lord gives me that many, to, to talk with kids. It said there's a man walked up to a work site where there was construction, and he saw somebody hauling rocks, and he said, to the guy, he said, well, what are you doing? And the guy said, well, I'm hauling rocks, man. Can't you see? I'm just hauling rocks. Well, that didn't satisfy him. So to the next guy, he saw hauling a wheelbarrow of rocks the same. He said, what are you guys doing here? And the guy sort of wiped the sweat off his face. He said, hey, man, we're building a wall. Well, that didn't quite satisfy him. His curiosity is still up. The third guy, he said, hey, man, what are you doing? You're carrying these rocks here. And the guy took off his hat, walked over and smiled and said, sir, we are building a cathedral. And uh, I just thought about what is our cathedral? What is my cathedral that i got to build every day? What is your cathedral with the job that we do and all that we have to do? 
building a cathedral is what we should be trying to do. I'd like to bring on Coach Dan Long. Congratulations on 25, 25 years coaching high school kids and working with people at South Florida there. And uh, what, hey, folks, what can you say? 25 years. Coach, you worked about eight to 9,000 days with young people in the hot sweat. And I guess, did you, did you get really wealthy out of that whole deal? Really rich, Coach Wong? <laughs> well, I got, I got rich in friendships and relationships, I guess, Chuck. But financially, I'm, as you know, you don't, you, don't, <laughs> you don't get rich financially in this business. Yeah. I know, room board board experience (laughs) went on a little bit too long. That's the way we all feel in the coaching and teaching business. And God bless every teacher out there, especially in high school and middle age. And, hey, Coach, before we go, I want the the listeners to get a little bit of a laugh out of this. But about seven or eight years back, you, you said you came up with an idea, as you, you said, that there's so many kids now that just sort of, they're not there for an education. And I know you got to be a little bit politically correct there, and you've got to frame this the right way. But say what your idea was about the kids who aren't inspired every day, how, how you, you get to school and you decide between one another. You remember telling us that story? Well, I, I think I do, Chuck. <laughs> I do remember that. I, I think my idea basically was just when kids arrive at school every day, you let them – make a choice. They go through one of two do- two doors. They either go to the door where they're going to be warehoused all day and they can sit in there. You don't give them anything. You give them a book maybe to read, but you let them sit and vegetate or you give them a choice to go to school and be educated. And I think, um, I think most of our kids, after they spend a few days in the warehouse, being babysat basically would, would appreciate it a little bit more. And they, they would come back to the, uh, to the classroom a little bit more engaged. Um, but, yeah, I think we ought to have two doors, shoes, you know. A lot of apathy well, out there. It's so true. And everybody can, can relate out there with our young people. We're trying to inspire them. And we set up plenty of programs. USTA sets up. I keep arguing we don't need systems. We need incentives. We need to be inspired. We need to wake up the entrepreneurial spirit in our kids even. And I, uh, yesterday, so I take my guys to the, I call it the pain field. About one day a week we go to this pain field and we do a lot of 400s. It's a tough day at the pain field. So I, I walked over there yesterday, Dan, and I, I said to the guys, now here's the thing as a coach, you don't have to answer me, guys, but how many of you would be coming over here to the pain field to get your running in if you didn't have to or if it wasn't part of the program? And then I told them the story about building the cathedral. you got to build a cathedral every day. And, uh, you know, we've got to figure this one out. But, uh, Coach, you've got a limited amount of time today. I want to talk with you about the sleeping giants of American tennis. Now, I've labeled them in the last three, four weeks. I've been talking very boldly about that we do a lot of a lot of things right, but we don't do right things. We're so much into systems. Our number two people are running not a number one positions. We do the wrong, we got to do the wrong, we're doing the wrong things the right way instead of doing the right things the wrong way to learn and then the right things the right way. 
but I've but I've marked a couple sleeping giants, and I want you to talk about the sleeping giant. Obviously, in our country, I believe the number one sleeping giant is high school tennis. Now you're retired now from high school tennis, so I'm legally I'm able to talk to you and interview you here. But you're retired from high school tennis, and did it for 25 years in South Georgia, and. I know you, and I know your ambition, and I know what you've tried to accomplish. Could you talk about, first of all, the challenges that you've had from the start in the past 25 years, the challenges you've had and the roadblocks and maybe the governors that were put on your engine and things like that. And then the other sleeping giant, of course, is small-town tennis, where most of our professional athletes actually folks. 74% of all professional athletes, Coach Falk, I didn't know if you knew this, but 74% of all professional athletes come from town, less than 50,000 people. So I'm going to turn it over to you a little bit, Coach, and just you got free reigns to talk about sort of your history in South Georgia there. And uh, you, I, folks, he's got so many awards. He's been National High School Coach of the Year. And that anybody that goes to South Georgia knows Coach Dan Long because of the 25 years. And, and he, folks, he has been an ambassador to sport, a Pied Piper to sport. He has been a disciple of the sport going out and uh, preaching the good word and helping hundreds of kids. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Coach. Talk about your career and your challenges that you've had. And we'll talk about solutions. So go on. You're up. Well, Chuck, I uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. You know, I I was very fortunate um, in in getting an opportunity what 10, 12 years ago, I think, to to meet you, and we we became close friends. I you know, as you know, I I think we consider each other close friends at this point, and it was truly an honor for me to uh, you know get to work your camps, and I I, I learned a tremendous about um, amount through that, and I felt like we were kindred spirits in a sense in the, in our, our love for the game and everything and, and our love for creating opportunities for kids. Um, you know, teaching in a small town in a rural environment, I, you know, I, I don't know it all, but I feel like I have learned quite a few lessons. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things, you know, you can talk about lack of opportunities that are pretty obvious in, in uh, small towns and uh, rural areas, you know, starting with the USTA, there's not a lot of tournaments that our kids have access to, uh, a lot of travel, a lot of expense, a lot of family commitment that is just very difficult for for people who live in small towns. You don't have the level of competition that you have. You know, we've got kids, I think, that given the right opportunities, um, they they definitely have the, the, the talent and the desire. They just don't have the opportunities. And it's it's just more difficult to be able to, you know, for us to, to drive uh, – three or four hours to a, to a um, higher level tournament where they're going to meet the competition that, that, that they need. And then one of the, one of the biggest things. Let me jump in a second. Let me jump in a second. You talk about lack of opportunities. And if I'm a USTA worker out there, I'm going to say, look, we got plenty of opportunities for people in small towns. Talk about these roadblocks or opportunities. I'm sure you've worked hard enough with the kids. And I know you had some kids even make to the college level, but, but talk about how maybe we're just missing the boat there somehow. 
Well, I, you know, I think I think the USTA um, and just tennis in in general. You know, you've talked about um, you know they 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 go, they go to the cities in the metro areas. That's where the money is. That's where most most people are. That's where most of the resources are. And so, in order for someone from a small town or a rural area to to be able to tap into the USTA opportunities, they've got to be willing to travel for us a great distance. We're in the southeast corner of Georgia. It's a five and a half hour drive um, for our kids to go to a tournament up in Atlanta. The kids up up in Atlanta have multiple tournaments that they can play in every weekend pretty much. And our kids, we've only got some of the low, you know, we've got a few lower level tournaments that are within a hundred miles of us. And so it's, it's just such a commitment, you know, in, in terms of the family, if you, if you got a 12 year old, they can't drive themselves to a tournament. We don't have academies that will, that will facilitate all of that. So really it's, it's a commitment from the, we also, you know, related to that, we don't have um, the higher level, coaching here you know oftentimes in the small in the small areas the only person who has a a a true interest in developing kids besides the parents is the high school coach and that's where I think you know when you say that high school is the sleeping giant I mean high school tennis is happening down here the kids in South Georgia love tennis and once they get to the high school level or even like a later middle school level they they just decide that they do love it and they're willing to go to a few camps and they'll do some things in the summers and they'll play in the lower level tournaments that are accessible to them. But it's, it's just difficult to get them to, to go someplace where they can have a consistent competitive, high, highly competitive experience, um, you know, several times a month, which is what, what kids need to get to that higher level. Um, like I said, Atlanta has multiple, you know, in, 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 um, the Georgia area, they could go maybe to uh, Columbus or maybe Macon has a few, but everything's happen, happening in one, one area, and it's five to six hours away from us. So uh, okay. it's just very difficult Coach, for, our, for our kids to do that. Coach, let me jump in again. I'm sorry, but I've got to clarify a few things. Folks, now you've got a highly motivated person in South Georgia who wants to run high-level tournaments for 25 years. But you can't run a high-level tournament because why, Coach Dan? Well, one, why why would the the the, the kids who play at that level aren't going to drive from Atlanta to come down to Camden County? They've already got all the tournaments where they are. Okay, well, let's um, we know that. But but what I'm saying is, what if you worked ten years and you created a great great event? Down there, I want to, but, but the bureaucratic restrictions now. Go, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, well, one, if you want to talk from a from a, a high school coach's perspective, um, one of the biggest obstacles that I found was the the Georgia High School um, Activity Association. There, there's so many re- restrictions that are placed on high school coaches. I understand where they come from a little bit, but but when you're talking about tennis. And developing tennis players, as I said, usually the only person who has the the desire to develop things in that community is the high school coach. Um, and you're very lucky if you have a high school coach that knows how to coach at a high level, because most of them, honestly, from the school system, you get a lot of what I call roll the ball out coaches. 
where they're, they'll hire a football coach or a basketball coach off season to come in and coach the team. And so the kids don't have that person, that tennis person, guiding them and giving instruction and informing them of higher level opportunities and creating things for them. So there's nobody in the community that really understands the game of tennis and can, can create those opportunities for. So let's just say that I did um, start one in my community. Well, well one that, that the level of competition is not going to be as, as high. And, and look, I get complaints every year when we, when we make the, or when we did make the state playoffs and a team from Atlanta would have to drive five and a half, six hours down to play us. Oh, they would whine and complain because it's just crazy that they have to drive all this way to come and play a tennis match or come and play, play in a tournament. They won't do it. You know, that they're not going to come down and when they have the opportunities where they are. So it's going to be difficult to draw, to, to draw players and competitive um, kids down in our area. We, we do have Jacksonville about an hour south that we might be able to draw some, but then again, they've got their tournaments. Um, I'd like to see more fluidity between states, between Florida and Georgia in, in terms of rankings and stuff like that. I think that's a, that's something cross, that, that kind of cross state hurts lines it. competition, right? And and right, I'm leading right. this all somewhere, Coach. Uh, the big thing that pops out though is even if you did, uh, we had a good friend Mike Springlemeyer in Florence, South Carolina. Florence, a lot of people haven't heard of Florence, South Carolina, but they had one of the best tournaments in the United States called the Pepsi Sixteenth. And he invited the very best players from around the South to come, and it got to be very popular and very famous tournament. And then, you know where I'm going with this. The USDA came in, and whether it's a tournament in Belton, South Carolina, that's been there for years and years, or let's say the South Georgia National Invitational that you created, USDA comes in, and what would they put on your tournament? What what label would they put on it, Coach? Well, it would be non-sanctioned. It wouldn't count for points. It wouldn't. It it wouldn't be a tournament that would. You know, they would they would restrict it. We'd have to use USDA equipment and balls and regulations. We 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 couldn't privatize it at all. Exactly. You'd have to put on the. You'd have to paint all your courts with those little volleyball lines that they put on that wasted all that money with the tennis. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's now that you notice how they've changed the tennis <laughs> under program to the net generation now. They, they've repackaged it because it was such a bomb. Okay. So, so the point is, is even, yeah. if you, even if you did all that work and you had a role in, you know what they did at the Pepsi, the Pepsi tournament? They came in and I'm they put not sure. uh, uh, Oh, okay. You guys are an L two or L four. What I don't know what coach. It's ridiculous. But they now come in and they rate the tournaments based on things like: Do you have the USTA lines? How many courts do you have? By the way, is Dan Vaughn one of the people that we really really like running that tournament? Oh, how much hotel space do they have? And all these things they butt their butt into just you know like uh, they intervene. So that kills your initiative there, correct, Coach? Correct. I would totally agree with that. Yes. 
Yes, that lot, lots of difficult, lot, lots of bureaucratic things wherever you go. You know, go, going back a little bit to the, the Georgia High School Association, you know, like I said, the, the high school coaches oftentimes is the only one with the incentive to develop players in, a, in an area, and, and I would be limited back then. I could only work with two players at a time. Well, if I've got well, you know, explain that. Explain my that, team that need work. people. People don't understand this. Go ahead, explain that. And how you've been limited well, an, working with your players in summertime well, and things. There's there's a uh, there's a, a rule that that says they did change it to four this year. But the whole time that I was coaching, we were we were limited to working with two players at a time during the off season. So, you know, I was one of the only people in our community that was qualified to give higher level lessons and to, and, and to work with our kids. And so I was limited to working two, two at a time. Now that, that was, that was difficult because I have a full-time job with the school system. And of course I'd have to do that after school and on weekends. Um, and so, so they limited how much where, whereas other kids say a kid in Atlanta might have 50, 50 tennis teaching pros within a, within a 50 mile radius of his house that they could go to for their own private tennis instruction and development. My kids only had me, which, which, which is common in rural towns. Um, you know, a small town might have a couple more opportunities, but we don't have, we don't have private tennis facilities down here. And so, um, you know, just in terms of what a kid has access to as far as, coaching and everything they have to go somewhere else which is you know not convenient at all and i'm very limited in in what what i can do with my kids now i could do whatever i wanted during the summer and during the season but of course you know that's so for six seven months of the year i was basically hands off my team i could only work with individuals and i i found that to be very very restrictive for myself when when my kids are going to be competing to go to the to, to go to play college tennis, my kids have the same dreams as the kids in the cities did, but my kids didn't had didn't have the opportunities that the other ones have. Um, I just felt that was very unfair um, in terms of opportunity. Like I said, I mean, how many how many tennis teaching pros are there making a living up in the Atlanta area that that kids can go to anytime? I I I did a Google search one time as we were entering the state playoffs, and I just typed in. I believe it, it, it was Tennis Academies Atlanta. And there was about 17 tennis academies that popped up that those kids can go to for hopefully high-level um, training. And my kids basically had me, and I was limited in what I could do for them. So I just could thought I make, that was a big – Could I make a, an analogy that might ring closer to home for some? If you were the band director – there at your high school or symphony director, are you allowed to work with your kids on the violin or the French horn? Are there any restrictions on your ability to work with your kids? Not that I know of. I don't think there would be. Are there any restrictions in the drama club with working with kids extra to get their acting down? None. Is there any restrictions to working with kids in mathematics that want to be an engineers? Not any. And All right, now, we, folks, listen, listen. We might have some kind of a lawsuit here. I mean, if you think about it, 
if you think about it, there might be some kind of a lawsuit here. That ain't fair. I'm sorry. That ain't fair. They're denying you a right to work, and they're denying the kids the right to learn. And why? Why Now, what would be any motive that Georgia High School Association would have or any high school association have with a coach working with their children in the offseason? Well, what would the reason be? Their motivation would be that some coaches would overwork their kids. You know, this came from football, I'm sure, um, because you might because they're going to tell you that you'd have coaches that would be practicing their teams all the time, and that the kids wouldn't get a break, and there wouldn't truly be an off season and stuff like that. Um, I would say that you know you're talking about a different animal there when you're talking about an individual sport like tennis, and when I've got a bunch, you know, when I've got a bunch of kids, and how are my kids supposed to be able to compete? for spots at the college level against kids who have year-round opportunities with, with multiple um, high-level experiences in them when, when my kids don't have any. You know, that would be the big argument that I would make. Hey, I should be ridiculous. able to do whatever I want, you know. That's ridiculous. Just think how we're neutering or dumbing down excellence in sports. Now, isn't working or not working on your game – isn't that up to a parent? Like my son, my son loves baseball. So isn't it up to me and his mother to decide how many lessons we want our son to have in the sport of baseball? Isn't that up to us? And, and it, that's well, you, just, you would think that. That's, a, that's really, really wrong. You stop and think about it. All right, so we've got the USTA and their overregulation. We have the overregulation of uh, the high school, what are what are the other sort of uh, just one or two more landmines, not landmines, but what are more, two more stumbling stones or governors on your engine that you have had and frustration you have in building? And then well, let's solve the problem. Well, like I said, like, like, like I said, um, of course money, just, just because of the inconvenience that it takes for my kids having to travel to get competition and, and high-level coaching and everything else. But, you know, one of the other things that I think that really affects our areas is, is you know, we don't – if the community doesn't have, have an agency in charge of developing tennis, then normally it doesn't happen until the schools get involved. Hopefully there's a middle school program or a high school program. But, like, in Camden County and most of the surrounding counties that we have here in South Georgia – there, there's, there's no tennis opportunities until a kid gets, gets to the school system. So you've got um, recreation departments could, could get involved. But, you know, our athletes usually, you know, if a, if a young kid loves sports and is an athlete, they get fed right into soccer and football and baseball and basketball, but there's no opportunities until they get, get older. So, um it would help if, if we had our, you know, that, that would be a recreation department thing, I guess, or we'd have to bring somebody in who had the incentive to develop tennis in a, a small town so that we could get these kids started so we could truly compete with these other sports that, that we lose them to at those, those young ages. You know, tennis is a wonderful game, and I, I, I rarely lose a kid once, once they discover tennis. And once they really give it a shot, I, I don't have kids that quit tennis to go play other sports. It's just a matter of getting those athletes out there. 
Coach, we got about 10 more so, minutes. Can you stay on 10 more minutes? I got to do a commercial real quick, sure. though. Okay, sure. we'll be right back this, with Coach Dan Vaughn, this Coach Chuck Creasy with American Tennis. Please stay on the line, Coach. This is Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and go to ChuckCreasy.net. We have revamped our website, and you can see about the camps, the books I do. I will come to your club. I will come to your and do some consulting for you. If you want, just check out ChuckCreasy.net and keep up with all that we are doing with American Tennis. Parents, stand up, speak out. 
there's nothing more harmful that is going to happen in that point system. Well, at the point system, we, that is the one crippler of talent in our country. Coach Falk, talk yeah. about what we might be able to do to uh, stand up, our kids to be able to stand up and, and move on and, and uh, sort of uh, get things going in small-town tennis USA in high schools. Well, Chuck, you know, I think one of the things that, that you and I have have discussed is, is you, you need somebody whose job it is to organize some things and get and, and get some opportunities going. We, we've got a lot of good people down here, the high school coaches down here. Even if they don't know a lot, they're all looking out for their kids. And we've got to find a way to, you know, somebody that will be the glue, um, the, the person who will, who will bind certain areas together to create opportunities. You know, something where the kids in uh, Camden County and Brantley County and, and you know, some of the other counties, just up in other areas, Coffee County in southeast Georgia, would have the responsibility of pulling those kids together and, and creating opportunities that all of them can share. We need to feed off of one another in that respect, I think. Um, I think we could do a lot better job of that. But, again, I think there needs to be some, some coordination of all that thing. Um, All right, I uh, you can pull more I've taught, I came to Coach Long and I've asked him if we can get it rolling, folks. We need help out there. We're going to try to get funding, but we need your help. We need your ideas. We have a program put together, Coach Long and I, over the past three years. We actually drove up to the PTR, didn't we? About what's that? Three, four years ago. Yeah. Because we thought. The PTR might be, that's Professional Tennis Registry, and there's good people there, Dan Santorum, and uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, all those folks, Julie, Billy, and those, those are fantastic people. But we presented twice the, the idea there of Small Town Tennis USA, and here's what it is, folks. As a college coach for 43 years now, uh, I realized that after your one, two, three, and four player, all those guys that play college tennis, all those young ladies play college tennis. They're tremendous. They are very, very good at what they do, and they're experts in their field. Why can't we create a summer jobs program for those guys down the line on college teams? My uh, number five, six, seven, eight, nine player, uh, University of South Carolina, six, seven, eight, nine player. Let's go into communities. Let's open up. All we need is a entrepreneurial spirit out of the kid. We need a community center that will pay them a couple hundred bucks a week. We've already, we could get you certified with the PTR, Professional Tennis Registry. That would be the tie-in with the PTR, so you'd have insurance. And you'd at least, the PTR would love this if we could get it going. I mean, but maybe, you know, if any of the PTR people are listening, please call contact me about this. We've got it. And we almost got the thing in place. Last year, I got a, I got Coach Vonk. I got a coach up in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee. I got a coach in South Carolina, and I got a coach in Indiana that would say they said they would do four pilot programs one summer. Four states, four pilot programs. We have 16 schools, 16 kids going in there and being entrepreneurs and working with young people in that community you'd have them certified you'd have insurance our community centers look give the kids room board experience 
Dan Volk, I'm teaching tennis today. I've been it my whole life because I had a $40 a week job with the Indianapolis Park Department. And, and when I was 20 years old, I drove around to eight, ten different parks, in uh, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Every, <laughs> I made two dollars an hour, but I was in charge as a 20 year old, 19 or 20 year old. Right. And uh, the point is, is that really motivated me to want to be a coach. But we're going about it the wrong way by trying to certify kids and just get certifications and going again the USTA get your hands out of this you got the USPTA now they've they've hogtied the USPTA they've got the governor engine on them now too because USPTA has to go through the USTA they got to go through their certification more regulation more certification folks I'm 47 years in doing this you think we're going to go down wow we're going to go down there and be certified by those guys we need something where we exactly. give people practical experience first. Let's give them practical experience. Small Town Tennis USA would do this. Go ahead, jump in there, Coach. we got about five well, minutes. I, you know, I, I think that's, that's exactly right. You and I coordinated something a few years ago. I think it's been about three years ago when you did have your, your number six guy came down, and he, he spent about two weeks down with my kids. It was a wonderful experience for my kids that participated in that. And if we could get a college kid, like you said, to go in, into, into the communities, work with the recreation programs and the high school coaches, um, I, I, I think they would, they would love that. And, and that would just expose those kids to a whole different level right there. You know, the other thing that, that, that I was thinking about that would tie, the other thing that I was thinking about that would tie in, in, into the schools is if, if we could take those recent graduates that think that they want to be teachers or something, if, if we could place, place a tennis person in a county to be a, a, a teacher and maybe somehow find, you know, if we could get the USTA or the PTR or somebody to pay part of their salary to make it their job to go around to the, the middle schools or some of the, the elementary schools to in, introduce tennis, but, but give them an actual teaching position within the school system as the director of tennis and have them support the high school program, but also create feeder programs and create those opportunities for kids to where they, they basically are the director of tennis within a county, a small town. In a, and I mean, what a wonderful thing to put on a resume that you went down and you, and you were the director of tennis for Camden school system and you're, you're creating tennis and, and spreading the sport to all those kids that normally would not be introduced to it. You, you can Simulation. run it through, through, right. You could, you, you, you could run it through elementary school PE classes, which could feed into middle school programs where they would, would be going to PE every day. You know, I, I helped to create a, what, what we call a lifetime sports class at the high school level, which, which we, we feed our tennis players into and that, and that way they have an opportunity to, to work on lifetime sports or tennis or, uh, you know, but just creating those opportunities and have, have somebody whose job it is to oversee the, the entirety of the tennis program so that you've got a cohesive program built within a school system. And like I said, yep. why, why couldn't they use the USTA or some other organization help fund one of those teaching positions? No, they, they would. Look, they're not going to do it. They're not going to go out on a limb without a bunch of bureaucracy. We need look at look, folks. If you're listening out there and you're a high school coach, a junior high coach, if you want to be a pilot program for 
Walltown Tennis USA, please shoot me an email at chuckcreasy at gmail.com. Chuckcreasy at gmail.com. Because, Dan, where we're at is I'm going out now, and I'm going to try to figure out a way to get funding for some entrepreneurs to get this program started and off the ground. Because we got a winner if we can empower people like you and in, in our communities, and we got a winner if we can use some of the down-the-line college guys to go in there and teach and train pros at the same time. Very quickly, I only got about a minute or two. The UTR is a winner, okay? Uh, Dave Fish, Dave Howe, that thing is a winner because it crosses state lines. It crosses the um, age limit lines. It crosses all of the demographic graphics that we have paralyzed tennis with, all of the regulation. Just talk very quick what the UTR means to you and in the small town tennis very quickly. And then, Coach, we only got a few minutes. Go ahead. Well, Chuck, you know, I, I think that the UTR rating system is definitely, as you say, a, a gold nugget for high school tennis. I have so many of my kids that are decent high school players, but unless they play in a USTA-sanctioned tournament and earn their points, you know, it, it, it doesn't count for anything. With the U, UTR system, as you said, it crosses lines, it, it crosses sexes, it, it crosses everything. And now they, they just got it approved to where UTR matches, if you have a coach who's willing or a member of the community who's willing to input the data into the UTR system, high school tennis matches can now count as official competitive matches. You know, I, I believe that down the road, and even right, right now, college coaches are going to be looking a lot more at a, a player's UTR rating and UTR record um, than they are USTA point, points-driven record. Very soon. Um, yeah, very soon they yeah, are, yeah, yes. Very soon. And I come in, I, I uh, started some – Initial stuff last year, I get I got all of my kids on on my team, UTR rated. Um, we play a very competitive schedule. I, I play as many teams out of the Jacksonville area as I can, and I and I you know we we normally make it to the to the state playoffs. And th- my my kids are playing competitive USTA kids, but those matches don't count for anything as it is right now. Now with the UTR system, if 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 we can get all that. That, that data inputted, it'll all count. And so you're on a level playing surface there. You, you, might, not, you, you might not have the same, same experience, USTA ex- experience, as the number one from this Atlanta City School. But if, but if you can beat her, you know, you, you know that's going to be recorded somewhere now. So I'm very excited about the, the UTR developments. Congratulations, Dave. Dave Fish, uh, all through my college career at Clemson, we've talked to Dave Fish a lot about our need for rating system. Guys going out there and created a great rating system with Dave Howe. And, uh, folks, the UTR problem is the savior. It's just like being able to market across state lines for insurance programs or do business across state lines. Now, tennis, you're going to be able to do tennis across state lines, you'll be able to go to Jacksonville, but you'll also be able to have a 30-year-old play with a 20-year-old play with a 15-year-old because you're trying to work on a rating. You're not hog-tied by age and by sex. Well, you can play against girls. Girls can play boys. Boys can play girls, which is awesome. But, folks, yep. this is great. a way that we can, can win this thing. High school 
individual tennises are sleeping giants. Small town tennises are sleeping giants. UTR is our sleeping giant. To empower our entrepreneurs like Coach Dan Vonk is our sleeping giant out there. Folks, but we have to dump the point system. The USDA, daggone it, would you guys stop regulating and let's start stimulating. And Coach Dan Vonk, thank you for being on the program today. Thank you for all of this work that you've done with children over and over and over for so many years. God bless you, Coach. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. We'll see you all next we'll week. Made in America, born in a raised up a family, a King James and a Sam. He's got the red, white, blue, fine high on a farm, Semper Fi tattooed on his left arm, spent a little Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.